It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In Dubai lives a seemingly unassuming man, softly spoken, Expensively dressed, he has the air of a suave international banker. He describes himself as a business consultant, but in reality, he heads the world's most wanted international gang. When you stand back and you look at him and you see past that facade, he's a ruthlessly dangerous man. He is like the ultimate James Bond villain. Christy Kinahan began by stealing cars in Dublin, then moved on to drug dealing, and after multiple stints in prison, he eventually built up an international criminal empire with tentacles in every sector and a value of more than a billion euros. It is very difficult to overstate the global reach of the Kinahan cartel. They're involved in huge drug importations into Europe. They're involved in arms trafficking. They're money laundering for criminal groups, terrorist groups and state actors. The cartel is so big that they've been sanctioned by America and they're now subject to the attentions of international law enforcement agencies. Senior police officers from Dubai are in Dublin as part of a transnational investigation into the Kinahan Organised Crime Group. I would argue that they're actually a national security threat to many governments in Europe and indeed the United States. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Christy Kinahan and his cartels won billion euro empire. My name is John Mooney. I am an investigative journalist with the Sunday Times in Dublin. My area of speciality is organised crime, terrorism and national security issues. I've spent much of my career documenting the activities of Christy Kennan and documenting his connections into hostile states and terrorist groups, which exist in different parts of the world. So he's a very interesting individual. They're quite difficult to monitor because they are now based in Dubai, but they're continuously traveling to different parts of the world and forging alliances with lots of major serious organized crime gangs. 
terrorist groups and state actors. It's a very complex group to monitor, but we have managed to keep tabs on them for about a decade now. And all of this, this whole network, comes really from one man who began it all and during the course of his lifetime has built up this network. And that is the patriarch of the family, Christy Kinahan. So just tell us a bit about him. Christy Kinahan is not your average criminal. He's a very intelligent man. He's a very well-spoken man. And he has a cosmopolitan flair about him. He was actually born in Ealing in London to Irish parents. They moved back to Dublin and he grew up in a middle-class area of Dublin called Fibsborough. He was well-schooled, although he wasn't academically bright. However, by the early 80s, he seems to have drifted into quite serious offending. How old is he at this stage? I think he's in his late teens. He had become involved in sort of assaults. He was involved in car thefts. And that's when he first came to the attention of the Irish police. By that stage, he had become quite a significant drug dealer. So just to put things in context, Dublin in the 80s was in the grip of a heroin epidemic. The IRA were shooting drug dealers. So if you became involved in heroin dealing, you were not just running the gauntlet of law enforcement, you were also running the gauntlet of paramilitaries who were more than happy to kill drug dealers to generate support for their own Republican cause. But he managed to become an accomplished drug dealer. He was eventually caught and he went to prison. Hmm. He ends up in prison at quite a young age for drug dealing. What happens after that first stint? Rather than just waste the sentence that was imposed upon him, he actually decided to study and he bettered himself. And the one common theme that I see with Christy Kennan right throughout his whole life is that he takes the best course of action and he makes use of opportunities when they present themselves, no matter in what arena. So when he was in prison, he studied, he did arts degrees. The prison services to this day still regard him as a model prisoner. He was someone that applied himself to his education and he stayed out of trouble. And John, you'd assume hearing about this man who is the model prisoner, spends his time in prison really applying himself, he gets arts degrees, he learns languages. You know, that could be the path of somebody who reforms when they leave prison. Clearly he doesn't. What happens next? Christy Kinnan emerged from the Irish prison system with a plan and he wanted to become the biggest drug dealer in Europe. Every breath that that man takes is a strategy and he's a very determined individual. When he emerged from prison, he immediately left the state and made significant contacts in Britain and in Holland. And his whole plan, and people in the National Crime Agency and indeed Guard Intelligence here, they all say that this guy wanted to become a wholesaler of drugs. He saw what was happening to European society. Ecstasy was sweeping through society. People were using drugs more freely. There wasn't that social disdain towards drug use. It was becoming more acceptable within certain communities and amongst the middle class. And he rode the crest of that wave. He 
decided to avoid at all costs getting involved in street dealing. So he went to South America, he went to the big drug producing countries and bought drugs in quantity directly from producers and he sold it to other gangs who controlled the street trade. And he did so across Europe and he built an empire based on that. The other thing that is very unusual about this guy is that he understood the financial system. He understood how money should be laundered, how to disguise its origins. So in my investigations, what I've seen is money transactions going on in multiple jurisdictions right across the world. He understood the concept of moving cash using all sorts of means to different countries where it would be laundered and then put back into the banking system. The other thing that is very noticeable about him is that they made significant investments in property and other types of legitimate business. And what eventually happened was, was that the security services couldn't decipher what represented the proceeds of illegitimate activity and what was the process of legitimate activity because the money that he earned from drug trafficking was well invested and he made money on those investments. So this has all become muddled together. The money is so vast now. This man has personal assets reputed to be about a billion euros and law enforcement simply can't seize it because they're not quite sure where most of it has come from. That's remarkable. So just standing back, you do just wonder if he'd applied himself to uh, a non-criminal trade, God only knows where he might be by now. Various police officers have described him to me as the classic entrepreneur. He is capitalism personified, but he's also a very dangerous man. And I've listened to recordings of him talk. Very few people know what he sounds like, but this guy does not sound like an organized crime figure. He sounds like a banker. He sounds like an investment broker. He sounds like someone who wouldn't be out of place at a meeting of tech entrepreneurs or banking officials. But when you stand back and you look at him and you see past that facade, he's also a ruthlessly dangerous man. And I've heard recordings of him where he's issuing not overt threats, but it's quite clear that they are threats. And I've rarely encountered people who can say something very polite and make an arrangement, but actually make it sound menacing. The cartel that he leads is very well known for its utilisation of violence. He thinks nothing of having people killed for pragmatic reasons. He doesn't kill or he doesn't utilise violence off the cuff. It tends to be very strategic and pointed in purpose. And that's something that's very unique to him also. And John, in order to get from being a Dublin taxi driver, petty criminal, to the International League like this. He also seems to understand how the law works enough to to get around them. He's a networker. He's a natural-born networker. And he can suss people out. He can evaluate them and size them up pretty fast. In the 80s and the 90s, he acted as an informant for the guards. 
I believe that he learned more about the guards than they ever learned from him. And he was very strategic in the type of advice and information he supplied to the police. I think he was someone who had the capabilities to extract information from police officers without them even realising they were teaching them their own tradecraft about how informants are recruited, etc., etc. I think that's really important when you think about Christy Kennan that you remember these things. This guy from Dublin who once worked as a taxi driver, earning hundreds of millions from drug trafficking and arms trafficking and lots of other different types of crime. It should also be remembered that scores of people have died at the cartel's hands and he is very much involved in that. Coming up, just how do you hide hundreds of millions of pounds when they're made through illegal gains? And will the law ever catch up with the Kinahans? That's in a moment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. John, you described how Christy Kinahan becomes the biggest drug dealer in Ireland by going to South America, by going to the source buying up the drugs there, 
and he effectively becomes the middleman. He brings them back into Ireland, sells them on to gangs there and beyond, you know, across Europe. Do we have any idea how much money he's making at this stage? I can give you a rough timeline. So by 2006, he had at least 500 million accumulated from drug trafficking and arms trafficking. Wow. By 2010, that figure, it was being suggested to me, was thereabouts 650 million. By 2016, that figure had risen to 1 billion. And the truth of all of this is that no one really knows how much money they have. I've interviewed people in Zimbabwe and South Africa who had got involved with the cartel without really knowing much about them. They have these stories of the most elaborate money laundering activities that one could imagine. I mean, we documented this in the Sunday Times, whereby they would invest drugs cash in second-hand cars, which they purchased all over Ireland, the UK, and mainland Europe. So they would stuff the doors of these cars with currency, usually euros and sterling. These cars and these vehicles would be shipped to Byra in Mozambique or Walfus Bay in Namibia. And the cars would be then transported to Zimbabwe, which is a sanctioned state. So once the physical cash, the notes would arrive in Zimbabwe, it would be used to purchase artisan gold from small miners who spend their lives panning for gold, trying to earn a living. And they would buy everything they could lay their hands on using this dirty cash. And once they had the gold purchased, the gold would sometimes be used to purchase dollars. When they had the gold acquired and smelted down into gold bars, various people would either sell that into the black market or the legitimate market in South Africa. And that would in turn feed into the bullion market in Dubai. Or sometimes they got people to act as couriers and they would fly from Zimbabwe to Dubai carrying bars of gold, literally bars of gold. And those gold bars would be sold into the bullion market. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. Give us a sense of how extraordinary this is. You know, as you said, you've looked at big criminal gangs, you've looked at the IRA and its funding over the years. I mean, how do the Kinahans, how do they compare to other criminal groups? I would ask the question in the opposite way around. No other criminal group compares to them. The only one that comes close is really Italian organised crime or Sicilian organised crime, which are culturally based organisations that have been around for a long time. Most criminal gangs follow a similar trajectory, particularly in Western Europe. They get so big that there are natural barriers which stop their growth. Their leaderships are either imprisoned, they're replaced by their own associates or they're killed. Mm. They're the three options. That hasn't happened to Chris Kinnan. He has managed to bypass all of this and build quite a substantial empire by making the right choices at the right time. And I think some of that, and this is where it gets very complicated, is that he forged alliances with hostile states. So he's involved with Iranian intelligence. He is also probably involved with Russia's intelligence services or branches of it that engage with organised crime gangs and utilise their services for their own reasons. And it should be stated that in many cases, 
Kinahan doesn't actually know who he's dealing with, but he certainly does know that the people that he's involved with are not common or garden criminals, that there's something else, that they've got extraordinary resources, technology behind them, and they are able to solve problems for him. That's amazing. His tentacles clearly get into all sorts of very dubious places. So not only does he have all of the crimes that he's accused of, but he's doing business for sanctioned hostile states. How has the law not managed to come after him? How has he not been brought to justice? Well, in 2016, there was an attempt made on his eldest son, Daniel's life in Dublin. Three men appeared coming in a side door, fully dressed in guard uniforms. And uh, then I noticed they had three shotguns. Raiders dressed in ERU-style clothing, along with a gunman in a wig and another in a flat cap, stormed the Regency Hotel during a boxing weigh-in. The response of the cartel to that was to organise a campaign of violence the likes of has never been seen before. So that feud with another criminal group resulted in 18 people's murders, mainly on the streets of Dublin, in plain sight, in quite dramatic circumstances. During the midst of all of that, Kinahan and his sons relocated to Dubai. And that was a very clever move on their behalf. It allowed them to start afresh and put them beyond the reach of most European law enforcement agencies. He became Christopher Vincent. He rebranded himself as a business broker and many people in the Emirates didn't actually know who he was. So he would introduce himself as an aviation consultant, a business consultant, and he actually managed to pass himself off as one for a long time. Dubai also refused to arrest or extradite people Ah. who are being sought in the West. And the Emirates come up with lots of different reasons for this, but the general consensus is, from the outside anyway, is that people like the Kenhans are protected at the highest levels of the regime. And John, the last time we had you on the podcast was to talk about the Kinahans when the Americans had stepped in. And it wasn't just that they were offering a huge sum of money for information that would help with their arrest. The United States Department of State is pleased to announce a reward of up to $5 million for information leading to the financial disruption of the KTCO or the arrest and convictions of its leaders, Christopher Vincent Kinahan. Daniel Joseph Kinahan and Christopher Kinahan Jr. But it was also because they were introducing measures which should have made it impossible for the Kinahans to do business, to be able to transfer money. So as of today, the Kinahan Transnational Criminal Organization joins the ranks of Italy's Camorra, Mexico's Los Zetas, Japan's Yakuza, and Russia's Thieves-in-Law. Also, as of today, the result of these these sanctions, these individuals are immediately severed from the U.S. financial system. How is it, a year later, these sanctions on, on the Kinahans, effectively, don't seem to have stopped them at all? I think they've thwarted some of their activities, and I think they've impacted on it. But once organized crime networks establish themselves, they're almost impossible to eradicate. They're quite wealthy people still because they've got 
I don't know how many people willing to take your money and give them credit cards to use, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one of the funny things about all of this, I remember at the time of the sanctions when they were announced, people said to me, oh, well, he'll never be able to travel on, you know, an airline again between different countries. Well, I kind of looked at that in disbelief for the simple reason is Christy Kennan has access to private aircraft and he doesn't need to book tickets to travel anywhere. And he's involved in the aviation business and has been for a long time. And I could name his pilots to you. So in some ways, the belief that they were about to implode, that they were about to be closed down, there was a little bit of wishful thinking. Anyone who's familiar with these type of characters or these entities know they never really truly go away. The only time Christy Kinnan's criminal activities will end is probably when he's dead. If they were to leave Dubai, I mean, what would they be facing? So there are efforts by the Irish government to have them expelled and the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris has travelled recently to Dubai to have talks with his counterparts and the Irish Minister for Justice has also engaged in bilateral discussions to have an extradition treaty put in place. It is technically possible that they will move against the Kinahans and extradite them on foot of warrants issued in Ireland or possibly the UK or indeed America. Personally, I believe what's probably likely to happen is that you could see the arrest of one or two people within the cartel. They may be extradited to Europe by the Emirates to save face. But I think it's far more probable that the cartel will move yet again to some country that has no extradition agreement in place and they can corrupt and bribe the elites and officials in those countries. And Russia and Venezuela are two countries that spring to mind. Wow. You said earlier that the normal trajectory for somebody in his position for a big criminal overlord is that, you know, you either end up dead and replaced or you do get caught in jail. Do you think there's any possibility that that'll happen? Do you see the day when Christy Kinahan is behind bars? I'm really reluctant to answer that question because I think there are various options. I think it's likely that the cartel will offer up one or two people to the security services by colluding with the Emiratis and these people could possibly be extradited to Europe as a kind of token gesture by the cartel. I think there is every possibility that that could happen because there are tensions in the cartel. He is not that close to his two eldest sons and they regard him as an embarrassment. During the lockdown, he became very much involved in conspiracy theories. He became an avid supporter of Donald Trump. He became someone who really doesn't fit the bill for a serious organised crime figure. See, that I wasn't expecting. He's an embarrassment to his sons, but his sons are also an embarrassment to him. He's very well-spoken, very presentable. His sons are street dealers, they're tugs, and they're like chalk and cheese. He is so ruthless, he would be more than capable of offering his sons up to the police if it meant him starting over. So it's very difficult to call, but you could certainly say 
the cartel, they could turn on each other. They could possibly try to save their own skins and move on to the next project. It's a very complicated scenario. Anything could happen. The UAE has insisted that it's frozen the cartel's assets. An Emirati spokesperson told the Sunday Times the UAE takes allegations of criminal activity extremely seriously and has been working proactively on its own investigations into the Kinahan cartel. And as a result, all relevant assets have been frozen. The UAE will continue to pursue these investigations and work in close collaboration with the relevant authorities in the US, UK, Ireland and Spain on this case. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, investigative journalist for The Sunday Times, John Mooney. You can read John's in-depth report on the Kinahans at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription, and we've put a link in the description notes to this episode. The producer today was Edward Drummond, the executive producer was Kate Ford, and sound design was by Hannah Farrell. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. <laughs>